This is the Mark Podcast from Lifeway Women. We're your hosts, Elizabeth Heineman and Kelly King. Each episode, we'll talk about what God is doing, how He has and is marking each of us. Sometimes that will be through interviews, and sometimes we'll have conversations around the table. We're so glad you've joined us today. Welcome to the Mark Podcast. I'm Elizabeth Heinemann. And I'm Kelly King. If you're a regular listener, you might already know that from time to time, we provide full teaching sessions for some of our favorite Bible studies right here on the Mark Podcast. We're kicking off a new study. Yes, and for the next seven weeks, we're going to do Jackie Hill Perry's Jude Bible Study together. We'll release the audio of one teaching session per week here on the Mark Podcast. Jude is Jackie's Bible study published with LifeWay. And she has graciously granted us permission to play the audio here. Please note that this is copyrighted material, so we ask that you not reproduce it. Before we dive in, know that the teachings in these sessions expand on the work that you'll do in the Bible study book. For the full impact of the study, you'll want to get the Bible study workbook, and you can purchase the book at lifeway.com forward slash Jude. We have a sample session there if you want to use it while you wait for your book to come in the mail. These audio teachings will be available for a limited time due to copyright restrictions. We'll leave the audio up until August 31st. We hope that gives you time to get the book and study along with us. Over seven sessions, Jackie will lead you through the book of Jude. You're going to dive into themes of being called, loved, and kept, and learn how to point others to Jesus in grace and truth. Now here's Jackie Hill Perry. I have an aunt who is literally the most saved woman that I know. To the point that in all of my days, I have never seen her knees uh, because everything in her closet goes to her ankles. It's like, <laughs> even these leggings in her, her view is immodest, you know what I'm saying? But the thing about her is she was the first person that I was around that loved Jesus. And I was around her so much that I was able to observe a lot about her life. I think one of the things that stood out to me about my aunt was that when anybody was about to leave her house, it didn't matter if you was a cat, the dog or a cousin, she had to pray for you. And so how it would go was you would go to the door, you would stand by the door, she would grab a little thing of oil because you know the real safe saints always got oil <laughs> nearby. She would dab some on her fingers, put it on your forehead and she would pray for you. She would usually pray for protection, for prospering, something like that, some spiritual. But at the time, I didn't realize that what she was doing was a glorious thing. I think I thought that's just what my aunt is doing, but I didn't see that what she was doing is what Christians have been doing for centuries, which is the act of blessing. Before Jude begins this hard but beautiful letter, he begins it, as most epistle writers do, with blessing. And as we journey through this epistle, we will begin to understand why. Looking at verses one and two, it says, Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to those who are called, beloved in God the Father and kept for Jesus Christ, may mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. In the first verse, Jude tell us, 
tells us who he is. He says that he is a servant of Jesus Christ, meaning that he is a slave to God. He is God. Jesus is his master. So he does all that Jesus wants him to do. He goes where Jesus wants him to go. He says what Jesus wants him to say. He also says that he is a brother of James. James was a prominent figure in the church of Jerusalem. So to say James's name would have been familiar to his recipients. If you know anything about James, you also know that James was Jesus's brother. So if Jude is James's brother, that means that Jude is also Jesus's brother. What tells you a lot about Jude that this man would not tell you that he's a brother of Jesus, but a slave of Jesus. He also tells us who he's writing to. He is writing to people who are called. To be called is not a mere invitation, it is a summons. And the summons always leads to faith. These are also people who are called beloved. That means that they are loved by God the Father. God has set his affections on them. And they are also being kept. To be called automatically makes you kept. God, whom he predestined, he also glorified. Jesus, before he left this earth, he prayed that his disciples would be kept by God. As we go along, we will sense why this is such a significant thing in the book of Jude, why he continues to play with this theme of keeping. Unlike other epistles, like Ephesians, which was written to the church of Ephesus, or First and Second Corinthians that was written to the church in Corinth, we're not sure what church these Christians come from or what region they are in. All we know is that these Christians are a lot like us. We are also called. We are also beloved. And we are also kept. Like most New Testament epistles or letters, Jude is following a standard format in how he structured his greeting. He begins with the name of the sender, then he starts with the description of the recipient, and then he ends with a prayer or a blessing or thanksgiving. He's told us who the sender is, which is him, Jude. He's told us who the recipient is, people who are called, kept, and beloved. And now in verse two, we come to the blessing. When Aunt Merle would bless us before we walked outside of her house, she would look us in the eye when she did it. She would lay her hands on our head. God, keep them. God, bless them. May they prosper. Real spiritual life. But the thing is, even though she would be looking at us when she said the blessing, we knew she wasn't actually talking to us. That's because to bless somebody is actually to pray for somebody. So while she looked us in our eyes as she blessed us, she was actually having an entire conversation with God about us. Blessing in this context are prayers to God directed towards the people the prayer is intended for. How many of you have heard these words from your grandma or during the benediction before? It says, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. We have all heard that walking out the door of church one time. <laughs> Those words were spoken by Aaron to Israel in number six. By blessing them, he prays that the Lord will bless them, that the Lord will keep him and that God will make his face shine upon them. So we see that these prayers are blessings, but we also see that the content of the requests being made on the behalf of those who are receiving the, these blessings have one source and that one source is God. Aaron prays that the Lord bless them, that the Lord keep them. See that word keeping again, that the Lord make his face to shine upon them. Blessing is not some arbitrary thing that you do to sound spiritual. This is a practice that's powerful because of who it is that you're talking to. God is the one from whom these blessings are directed and God is the one who can answer them. My Aunt Merle often prayed for 
protection because these streets is crazy. <laughs> Aaron prayed for Israel to be blessed and kept in these blessings. In verse two, when Jude moves to the blessing portion of his epistolatory greeting, as it's called, what it is that he wants his recipients to receive from God is three things. He wants them to receive mercy. He wants them to receive peace and he wants them to receive love in abundance. Or as the translation says, I want these things to be multiplied to you. For him to pray for mercy, he is praying for the concept of being merciful or being mercy is the concept of being compassionate towards those who have offended somebody. We all were by nature children of wrath, but God being rich in mercy made us alive together with Christ. Children of wrath should be alive and children of wrath shouldn't be alive in Christ. But here we are because of mercy. It is actually a little odd for the word mercy to be present in most New Testament, New Testament epistles, especially written by Paul. The, the most common theme you see is grace and peace. Very, very rarely do you see mercy and peace. I think this makes sense, though, why Jude included this in the greeting when you read through the entire letter, unlike some of the saints in this room. <laughs> After Jude makes it very clear that God will judge the ungodly, he gets to this portion at the end of Jude between verses 21 and 23 when he talks about mercy. He says that he wants his recipients uh, to wait on mercy, to have mercy and to show mercy. It makes sense then why this will be included in his introduction. His recipients have already received mercy by virtue of them being called because of God's mercy. And later in this epistle, they will be challenged to display mercy to those they might assume don't deserve it. So even though they are people that God has been merciful to, they are also people that still need mercy. In Hebrews 4, 16, it tells us to draw near to God's throne of grace so that we might receive what? We might receive mercy when? In our time of need. When is our time of need? Always. So we always need mercy. So Jude's prayer is a necessary one. Jude also prays that they would receive peace in abundance. There are two ways to understand peace. One is peace with God. We all were enemies with God and now we have become friends of God. Jesus became our peace by making us right with God. So the friction, the tension, the distance that existed between us and God is no more. There is only peace. There is also peace from God. In John 14, Jesus prayed, Peace I leave with you and my peace I give to you. This peace that comes from God is a peace that can be experienced, can be felt. This is the peace that Jude is praying his recipients would have in abundance. And why might that be? Well, again, when you reflect on Jude's letter as a whole, you recognize that this letter is mad intense. There are unnoticed teachers denying God. There are unnoticed teachers feasting with Christians. They are people who will be destroyed like Cain and Korah and Balaam and Sodom and Gomorrah. God will execute judgment on these people just like the angels. It doesn't take much to see why Jude then would pray that they have peace. There was a survey done called the State of Theology. In this survey, they interviewed a bunch of Americans to see what they believed about the Bible, salvation, ethics, and God. In the survey, they asked them some questions and they gave them some statements. Some of the statements in the questions were true. Some of the statements in the questions were false, but that was so they could see where people stood theologically. One of the statements was this. It said, the Bible, like all sacred writings, contains helpful accounts of ancient myths, but it is not literally true. 
53% of the people that were surveyed agree. Another statement is religious belief is a matter of personal opinion. It is not about objective truth. 60% of people agree. Another statement says even the smallest sin deserves eternal damnation. 69% of people disagree. And the other one that disturbs me the most, it says, Jesus is the first and greatest being created by God. 78% of people agreed. That means that we have a world and a culture that does not believe that Jesus is God, that does not believe that the word is authoritative, that believes that their own subjective experiences of truth are the final or should have the final say or how they are to live. If you love the word of God, and if you love truth, then those statistics should not bring you peace. If you are a student in any academic institution, or if you are a teacher or a mother or somebody trying to bring light to your world, to your family, wherever you are, you are in constant contact with people who are confused and deceived about the scripture. So not only that though, there's also this kind of humility that we need to see on why we would need peace, because if you're honest with yourself, then you realize that you are just as prone to deception as they are. That the only reason you believe truth and still believe truth is because God is being merciful to you. So when Jude praying for peace, he's settling them. He is praying, they have peace in their mind, well being in their life. And there's also the reminder that this peace is eschatological in nature, meaning that because they have peace with God, they can have the peace that comes from God, meaning that they know and they believe and they trust and they are anchored in the fact that because there is peace with God now, there will always be peace with God when he comes back. Even when everybody around them is falling, it is going to be God who will help them stand. He also prays for love, that love would be theirs and abundance. What a popular word. The clearest expression of love is seen in the gospel. Jude has hinted at love being a reality for them when he called them beloved. They are identified by their being loved by God. What do you think is the expectation for those who have received God's love? The expectation is that because of the love that God has shown them in Christ, they are to show the same love to others. 1 John 3.16 says, by this we know love, that he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. By looking at the gospel, we see love. Because of the gospel, we have received love and the proper response to both is to walk in love. Might that be why Jude is praying for his recipients to receive it in abundance? Because you have to think about what he's about to call them to do. In verse three, he's about to call them to contend for the faith. They will, be, they will need love to not be passive or quiet when there are people lying about God. They will need love to be uncomfortable so that they can be faithful. They will need love to talk about the whole truth of who God is, not that he is just a God of love, but that he is also a God of judgment. Contending for the faith is uncommon for those who don't have love. When our own desire to be liked, or to feel safe, rules how we move, rules how we behave. It is simply us loving ourselves over and above our God and our neighbor. Having an abounding love for others is what makes you brave. I mentioned verses 21 through 23 before when Jude tells his recipients to be merciful. And mercy, again, remember, it means compassion. 
Just as it was God's love that motivated his mercy, it is our love that will move us to be compassionate towards those who seem to be enemies of the faith that we are trying to defend. Jude's prayer for them was that mercy, peace, and love will be theirs in abundance. Jude's blessing on his recipients prepared them to receive and to respond to what he's about to say. It's his way of entering into this conversation by letting them know that he is praying some really good things for them before he gets to some hard stuff that's happening around them. Jude might even be writing to them when he prayed for mercy, peace, and love. But in all actuality, we know that because of this blessing, because of who it is that he is talking to, that even though he's talking to them, he's talking to God about them. And by God's grace, I know he hurts. Thank you for listening to the Mark Podcast. We'll be releasing all seven teaching sessions of the Jude Bible Study here on the podcast for the next seven weeks. We will leave the audio up until August 31st. Be sure to get a Bible study book, get together with your Bible study friends, or hop on a Zoom call and listen in. If you enjoyed today's teaching sessions, be sure to join us for Jackie's brand new event, Glory, coming to five cities in 2021. And don't miss Jackie's new book, Holier Than Thou, releasing this August. Learn more and find a glory event near you at lifeway.com slash Jackie Hill Perry. If you're loving this Bible study content, please let us know. Tag us at Lifeway Women or use the hashtag Marked Podcast on all your social media. Let us know what you're learning, if you like getting Bible study content this way, or if you have ideas for future episodes. We're so grateful you're listening and want to know how to serve you well. Bye. Bye. Bye.